Examine your possibilities. Welcome to another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot, as she called us to live to a higher standard every day. Not to be satisfied with just a little religion as a shallow substitute for giving God our best. As this series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, friends, and others who were influenced by Elizabeth's life and message. Today we conclude our series on how to simplify your life. Our topics examine the struggle, and you can if you will. We'll be hearing from one of Elizabeth's friends, Eileen Chambers, reminding us that Elizabeth was willing to talk about the tough issues. Also, one of her caretakers, Samantha Lagoy, will talk about what surprised her the most, about suffering, humor, and peace. Think about Elizabeth's final years with us later on this program. Right now, though, it's Gateway to Joy 370, Part 9 in the How to Simplify Your Life series, Examine the Struggle. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend Elizabeth Elliot continuing my talk today about how to simplify your life. I hope that I have some listeners who really do want to simplify their lives and you're willing to listen to this old woman dish out some advice. Of course, you are not obligated to take any of it. But I certainly hope and pray earnestly that these principles, which are part of the principles of my own life, will help to simplify your own life. And today's talk is about a word that we bandy about rather loosely. The word is struggle. How often do we hear people say, well, you know, I'm really struggling with this. We had a girl who lived in our home while she was a seminary student. And she was a very intelligent woman. She's written some books now. She's done a lot of speaking. I hardly ever see the girl again. Uh, Once in a blue moon, we get together. But I can remember how many times we sat in the living room together and she would talk to me about the things that she was struggling with. Sometimes it was her seminary courses that were difficult. But most of the time, it had something to do with emotions. She was like most women, a woman of of deep emotions. And she was forever struggling with things. And I began to think back then, what does this word mean exactly? And you know what? I sort of came to the conclusion that very often, maybe nine times out of 11 or 12, maybe nine times out of 10, it means delayed obedience. Am I ringing any bells out there? Any of you guilty of calling delayed obedience a struggle? I think it's very likely that we do that. In Hebrews 2, verse 18, we read, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. It also says in Hebrews 4, that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Now, I want to make it perfectly clear that I am not saying that all struggle is sin, not by any manner of means. And I am not saying that struggle is necessarily delayed obedience. But I just want to drop that suggestion 
so that you can examine your own conscience and see whether the thing that you're calling a struggle is really just delayed obedience. It's that God is telling you to do something and you don't want to. And that reminds me of what Mrs. DeBose, the headmistress of the school in Florida that I went to, used to say to me. She used to say, Betty Howard, you can do anything you want to if you want to do it bad enough. And she said, the trouble with you, Betty Howard, is you don't want to. And well, she was right. There were a whole lot of things I didn't want to struggle over because I really didn't want to do them. And then there were things that she assigned to me that I had to do. They were matters of obedience. And believe me, I did struggle over some of those things. But I came to the conclusion quite soon that God was not willing to hear about my struggles when I knew perfectly well what I was supposed to do. Which reminds me of my friend Barb Tompkins, who is a very wise mother who has raised three brilliant children. I heard her say one time, when people say they can't, they usually mean they won't. Think about that. When people say they can't, they usually mean they won't. So if you're struggling about something that you think you can't do, but the truth is God wants you to do it, then you can do it. Because, as I said earlier in this series, it is always possible to do the will of God. So maybe the Spirit of God is saying to you, beware of delayed obedience. I told the story about my brother Tom not putting the paper bags away because he wanted to go into the living room and sing Jesus Loves Me, where my father was playing the piano. But my father said that he must go back and put away the paper bags before he could sing Jesus Loves Me. The great lesson is, it's no good praising the Lord when you're being disobedient. What are you struggling about? Maybe you're struggling with obligations, which are distasteful. Struggling with submission to your husband, who perhaps is not a Christian. And you're saying, well, Elizabeth, do you mean to tell me that I'm supposed to comply with my husband? He's not even a Christian. Well, I can only give you what the Bible says. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. Which means it doesn't make any difference whether they're Christians or non-Christians. You are to submit to your husband as though he were Jesus Christ. He may be acting like Satan himself. But our challenge is to love him and to submit to him graciously, quietly, with a gentle spirit. Doesn't come naturally to me. I'm sure it doesn't come naturally to very many of you. Are you struggling with a difficult work partner or under a perhaps unreasonable boss? What is the struggle? Is he putting you down? Does he make you feel bad? Does he not commend you for the work that he's given you to do, which you have done so faithfully? Why do we need to be patted on the back so much? The best thing is to get down on our knees and just lift up our hearts to the Lord and ask him to tell us what he wants us to do and then to go ahead and do it so that he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't struggle with things you know perfectly well that you must do. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. It says in Hebrews 3, 
verse 1. Postponing a duty, which is clearly required. Am I talking to any students right now? Do you have a college paper that's due next weekend? Are you struggling with it, or are you writing it? Quit struggling and do the job. Janet Erskine Stewart said, It is good that we should have to submit to what we do not understand, to do what we should rather not do, in circumstances not of our choice. It is good that every creature we lean upon should fail or disappoint us. It is good that we should meet with checks and failures in order that we undertake to keep us humble and prayerful. It is good that God has ordained that we should be sowing in tears. God seems to have laid out the order of things in his church, not for the brilliant triumph, but for the hidden sanctification of the individual souls which compose it. I think that's worth reading again. God seems to have laid out the order of things in his church, not for the brilliant triumph, but for the hidden sanctification of the individual souls which compose it. And it may be that the most sanctified person in your church is someone that nobody knows, but someone who is hidden to God. And God has worked things out in that church for the hidden sanctification of that individual. Accustom yourself to unreasonableness and injustice. Abide in peace in the presence of God, who sees all these evils more clearly than you do, and permits them. Be content with doing with calmness the little that depends on yourself, and let all else be to you as though it were not. Struggling can be sheer, plain, old-fashioned disobedience putting off what you know God wants you to do. But if your struggle is similar to Jesus' struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane, it is indeed a legitimate struggle. But the outcome should be the same as what Jesus said to his Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. One more scripture quotation from Psalm 141.5. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Anyone listening who has been stricken by a righteous person? Were you able to look at it as a kindness? Did you receive it as a blow that God had permitted? Maybe you didn't think of it in those terms, but there it is in the psalm. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. I don't like to be rebuked. And I've been rebuked a good many times. You know, to stick your neck out and be a broadcaster or a writer or a speaker is a bit scary. Because, for one thing, we're fallible. We do make mistakes. We say stupid things. We get things backwards. We tread on people's toes when it's not really necessary, and we put ourselves in a very vulnerable position. And there have been more times than one when I've had to go back to this verse in Psalm 141, let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. 
let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. And I hope that when I receive critical letters from my radio audience, and they're fairly few and far between because it's pretty much of a nuisance to write a letter anyway, isn't it? But when I receive those, may God give me grace not to refuse it, but to see it as a kindness, oil on my head. Gateway to Joy 370, part nine of a 10-part look at how to simplify your life. We'll conclude in a little bit this uh, 10-part series on You Can If You Will. Right now, though, let's hear from one of Elizabeth's friends, Eileen Chambers, reminding us of how Elizabeth was willing to talk about the tough issues. When it came to the Christian faith and following Jesus, Elizabeth Elliot pulled no punches. And as hard as it is for us to imagine today, She was a Christian who was not afraid to be unpopular or to address the tough questions and issues. As I've said before, to me, she was a real deal. And if you look at her life, it's highs and lows. I know you will find in her a Christian who walked the talk. Jesus was her closest companion. His word, the Bible, the place where she encountered him, the living God every day. And in a world No less unstable and topsy-turvy than ours, Elizabeth trusted and believed him even to the end. And the good news is that because of the Elizabeth Elliot Foundation, her teachings, life story, and presence lives on. My hope for you is that you'll partake deeply and discover not only Elizabeth Elliot, but the Jesus Christ whom she loved. It's not always the easy things that we need to consider. Eileen Chambers, a friend of Elizabeth, one of Elizabeth's caregivers, Samantha Legoy, will be joining us later in this uh, time together, and she'll talk about what surprised her the most about Elizabeth. All right now, though, let's conclude that series, How to Simplify Your Life. You can, if you will. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot, concluding my talks of these two weeks on the subject of how to simplify your life. And I hope that these principles that I've been giving you will be helpful and maybe permanently useful in your life. This last one I've entitled, You Can If You Will. And that fits in with what I quoted, I think it was just yesterday or the day before, my friend Barb Tompkins, who raised some very good, very talented children. And I remember when those children were very small, I was standing in the kitchen and we were talking about the children and various ways in which Barb herself was being challenged by their attitudes. And one of the things she said was, when people say they can't, they usually mean they won't. So back to the heading of this talk today, you can if you will. It's a temptation to say, well, I can't do that. And it may be true if you are expected to go to a performance of some sort and you know that that evening is already booked, then, of course, you're perfectly within your rights when you say, I can't do it. 
But as Barb points out, when people say they can't, they usually mean they won't. I gave you also these words. I am willing to receive what you send, to do without what you withhold, to relinquish what you take, to suffer anything you inflict, to do what you command, and to be what you ask me to be, at any cost, now and forever. And that happens to be anonymous, so I can't give you the source. You can if you will, but you have to be willing to receive what God sends. You have to be willing to do without what he withholds. You have to be willing to relinquish what he takes, to suffer anything he inflicts. Are you willing to do what God commands? Are you willing to be what he is asking you to be at any cost now and forever? I've talked many times about the distinction between will versus emotion. God has given us a will which governs. He has given us also emotions which feel. And the emotions are meant to be the servants of the will. They are the subordinates. It is the will that makes the choices. Emotion is only the servant of the will. I think back to my jungle days when I was first working in the western jungle of Ecuador in 1952 and 53. One of the scariest things was when I would have to traverse a log which was laid across a deep ravine, perhaps uh, a roaring river was below us, but there was nothing but a, a rounded log that I had to go across. And of course, being in the jungle where it rains so much, those logs were almost invariably slippery. Well, I can assure you, I was petrified. But then I discovered that if an Indian went before me and just held his hand behind himself so that I could take a hold of his hand, I could make it across that log. Of course, if I had started to slip, he could not possibly have held me. It was just the simple touch of his hand that enabled me to do it. And so I had to make up my mind, I will do this. And I found out that I could. I never got to the point where I could do it alone, as the Indians could do, but how wonderful it was to have a guide. Then I think of the time, the one time, the only time, when I got lost in the jungle. I had better sense than ever to do it again. But my colleague, Barb, and I went off on what turned out to be a wild goose chase, and we got ourselves completely lost in the jungle. That's too long a story to tell you now. But finally, of course, we did eventually get out, or I wouldn't be talking here today, would I? As we were trying to find our way back to the clearing in which we lived, suddenly we came to a V, and there stood an Indian. He didn't say a word to us. In typical Indian fashion, all he did was just sort of make a gesture with his hand. He turned around, and we followed him. Do you think we had any arguments for him? None whatsoever. He was our guide. And so he took us safely back to where we belonged. Someone has sent me this tract called, This is from Me. 
this is something that's been around for years and years. I think it's anonymous. Perhaps not. But this is what it says. My child, I have a message for you today. Let me whisper it in your ear that it may smooth the rough places upon which you may have to tread. It is short, only four words, but let them sink into your inmost soul. Use them as a pillow from which to rest your weary head. And here are the four words. This is from me. Have you ever thought of it, that all that concerns you concerns me? For whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. I would have you learn when temptations overwhelm you that your weakness needs my might, and your safety lies in letting me fight for you. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. Are you in money difficulties? This is from me, for I am your provider and would have you draw from and depend on me. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Are you in difficult circumstances, surrounded by people who do not understand you? This is from me. I am the God of circumstances. You did not come to this place by accident. It is the very place God meant for you. Have you not asked to be made humble? I have placed you in the very school where this lesson is taught. Your circumstances are being used to work out my will. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Are you passing through a night of sorrow? This is from me. I am the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I have let earthly comforters fail you. Turn to me so that you may receive everlasting consolation. Has some friend disappointed you? One to whom you opened your heart? This is from me. I have allowed this disappointment to come that you may learn that the best friend to have is Jesus. He will hear you when you call. He will keep you lest you fall. The best friend to have is Jesus. I want to be the one you confide in. Has someone repeated things about you that are not true? Leave them to me and draw closer to me. Now, lest anyone has just tuned in and didn't hear the beginning of this little leaflet, the me who is speaking is God. It's not Elizabeth Elliot. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. Have your plans been upset? This is from me. You made your plans and then asked me to bless them, but I would have you let me plan for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Have you longed to do some great work for me and instead been laid aside into the shadows? This is from me. I could not get your attention in your busy days, so I drew you aside. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's from Jeremiah 29. 
are you suddenly called upon to occupy a difficult and responsible position? This is from me. Trust me. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This day I place in your hands this pot of holy oil. Make use of it freely, my child. Let every circumstance that would crush you, every word that pains you, every revelation of your own weakness be anointed with it. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. My dear radio friends and listeners, you can if you will. God will enable you, just as that Indian gave me strength just from a touch. The Lord can give you strength from a touch, but let your will govern the emotions. How to simplify your life? Do it now. You can if you will. Struggle. Give it to Jesus. Go to God first. In acceptance lies peace. It is always possible to do the will of God. Love means sacrifice. The givens and the not givens. Do the next thing. Choose your attitude. Give thanks always and for everything. And remember the consolation of obedience. God bless you. Well, before we go, we still have one more guest to uh, hear from. Samantha Legoy was one of Elizabeth's caretakers in her latter years. She talks about what surprised her most about Elizabeth. What surprised me the most about Elizabeth was probably her sense of humor. Um, A lot of people only got to see a more serious side of Elizabeth, and I guess I don't know what it was between her and I, but I got to see a lot more of the funnier side of her, I guess, the sense of humor, the dry sense of humor sometimes that she had. And I just remember whether it was her tickling me one time, and and my and I'm extremely ticklish, and, and she found out. Um, there were other times that I remember um, she started trying to teach me like a uh, Indian song how she would roll in the back of her her throat and I don't even remember how we got onto it but one time she just started doing this and she would stop and she'd look at me and I would try to imitating her and of course I couldn't come close and she would just start you know kind of smiling and shaking her head no and and she'd do it again and she'd pause and she'd look at me and I'd try it again. And we went back and forward so many times and we just broke out laughing. And I just remember her pushing me off the little stool that I was on in front of her. And Lars coming in, you know, wondering what all the noise was about and us laughing. And, and so I explained to him and, you know, it was fun moments that I got with Elizabeth. I just remember so many special moments, whether it was her joining us in a chorus, even though she hadn't really spoken in many years, the joyful times that we had together, even though she was going through a situation in her life with dementia or Alzheimer's, 
just to see the the spirit of God moving in her life and how surrendered and how peaceful she was even in the midst of trials has reminded me that no matter what we go through, God says that he is with us and he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And even in those silent years, as we may call them, that Elizabeth went through, God was so vividly there in her life. That was Samantha Lagoy. Well, our time together has about come to an end. First, let me thank you for letting us come into your home, your office, maybe along with you as you jog, wherever we found you today. And be sure to leave us a review. We had uh, a nice review that came through. The most encouraging, thought-provoking, and just overall best podcast ever, said one reviewer. Well, high praise. You don't have to give us all of that, but maybe leave a note encouraging somebody else to check out our time here as we think about the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot. Let me invite you to check out all the many resources available at elizabethelliot.org. Elizabeth Elliot, Elizabeth with an S, elizabethelliot.org. For more lectures, talks, devotionals, videos, Gateway to Joy programs, and more. Until next time, may God remind you daily that you're loved with an everlasting love, and underneath are the everlasting arms. <laughs>